It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. My guest today is Jeff Lowenfels, author of three books, including the popular Teeming with Microbes, The Organic Gardener's Guide to the Soil Food Web. He lives and gardens in Alaska, where he has hosted a weekly radio show and a television show called Alaska Gardening with Jeff Lowenfels. He's the former president of the Garden Writers Association and founder of Plant a Row for the Hungry. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yay. And we are at the Heirloom Expo. Yes, we are. And you are speaking tonight. Yes. Very yes. exciting. Last, uh, so last speaker of the day. <laughs> we're going to get to why you're speaking in a minute. Sure. So we know each other through the Garden Writers Association. Right. But my first encounter with you was at the San Francisco Garden Show in 2009. Hmm. Yeah, a long time you ago. Were, it was, you were pitching Teeming Microbes. Sure. And it's the first time I had ever heard anyone talk about worm castings as anything other than a nutrient. You were talking about chitinase. Hmm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. can we talk about chitinase and why it's important? Well, uh, you know, this is something that fun fungi also have chitin in their bodies. Oh, cool. Uh, and chitin is a terrific uh, supplement to have because it... Uh, does a lot of a lot of things, not the least of which is it makes it more difficult for nematodes to get into the root systems. They don't like it, um, and so it's nice to have. Very nice to have. Yeah. But worm castings are are really the cat's meow because what goes into the worm and comes out of the worm are, are two different things. And so the concentration of, of nutrients that comes out of the worm is so much higher than what goes into the worm from the soil. It's just it's it's magic. It is. Yeah. It's for me. It's my first defense against pests. Great stuff. Put down worm casting. Fabulous stuff. And one of the reasons why is because it's got chitinase in it. Right. Yeah. And the chitinase basically dissolves the exoskeletons of soft well, body they just insects. don't like it. They, they don't, don't like, like it. it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And and that that's really that was the first time I'd ever heard it. And I've had people ask me, hmm. well, how do you where do you where's the proof? I'm like, just read Jeff Lowenfeld's yeah. books. <laughs> read it. So gardening in Alaska. Yeah. It, it's obviously different than anywhere else. Can you describe your garden calendar for our listeners? Well, we start everything indoors starting in uh, probably March. Some things we start in February. Okay. Um, that's our, almost normal. That's almost normal. We can't plant uh, anything outdoors until we're sure there's not going to be a frost. In Alaska, that's when the birch leaves reach the size of a squirrel's ear. <laughs> and that's usually by about April 15th, April 20th, somewhere in that area. And then we garden until we're still gardening. And so what are we, September? It's September yeah. 13th. Yeah. Now, when I first got there 40 years ago, it was a different story. Uh huh. We are experiencing an incredible increase in the length of our growing season in Alaska. And when anybody tells me global warming doesn't exist, I say this. A hundred years ago, the growing season was 60 days. Yeah. Today, the growing season is 130-some-odd days. Yeah. That's global warming. That was one of Period. my questions, was are you? how are you experiencing yeah. climate change in Alaska? And that's, that's, it. that's it. So, because... 
the the hardiness zones have shifted by t- you know two yeah two much more zones, so in Alaska. But you're experiencing that even more extremely. Yeah. Wow! So you get to grow almost long season crops. We get to grow long season crops. Our problem is not the annuals and the perennials. It's the well, it is some of the perennials and, and the trees. They can't adjust to the change in daylight, which happens so, so quickly. suddenly. Yeah. On both ends. And so you have, because I see pictures of gigantic cabbages, and it's like, oh, because you have 20 hours of sunlight a day or whatever. Nothing to do with it. No? No. What's it do to? It's the soil. It's the Arctic humus. It's the Alaska humus. Yes. Uh, I live in Anchorage. We're 25 minutes away from the place that has the state fair where the big pumpkins are grown and the big cabbages are grown. In fact, the big pumpkins are not grown there anymore, but uh, we live 20 minutes away. Nobody could grow it. In, in Anchorage, because that soil is removed before you can build an Anchorage. Out where they grow them, the soil is in a nice six-inch layer. It's got this beautiful, beautiful microbiology in it, and it is fabulous for growing cabbages. Aha! Yeah. I remember asking you, because, you know, when you're making, when you brew compost tea, you usually buy a bag of Arctic humus. Or Alaska humus. Or yeah. Alaska humus. You can, yeah. And, and I asked you, where does it all come from? And right. you explained it as yeah. you have to dig it all out in order to put That's a foundation right. down for building. That's right. It's a, it's a geoseismic hazard. <laughs> it's too deep. Uh, but out where they grow the big ca- the cabbages, it's, it's just right there in the soil. So. And so what, what grows better there than anywhere else? Uh, cabbages, any any uh, colorful flower will look better because they have cooler nights and it's just spectacular for flowers. Um, iceberg lettuce, snow peas, and snowball cauliflower is what I like to talk about. Uh. Yeah, you know, everything grows well there. The only thing we don't grow is... is uh, Okra. Okra. Yeah. Yeah, because that needs... Never been able to grow okra. Okay. But everything else... Oh, gosh, we're good at it. And even tomatoes. Oh, heck yeah. Everybody has a backyard greenhouse, but this year, didn't even need that. Don't need the greenhouse. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, because we were in... I'm in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and we were zone 9B for years when I moved to Los Angeles. I've been in L.A. for more than 20 mm-hmm. years now. And when I started gardening there, it was 20, it was 10, uh, 9B. We're mm-hmm. 10B now. So you've shifted... Have you shifted three zones or oh, two? Oh, it's hard to say. Don't man. know. Because we don't really go by the zones. Yeah. We go by the daylight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've at least doubled the growing season. I mean, at least a month since I've been there writing a garden call. So it's really a phenomenal change. And I'm telling people in the lower 48 states... You better get your land in Alaska now. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're 10 today, you're going to be 11 in a couple of years. I know. Years. Well, Mexico's weather has been moving north. Together. We have rain in July, which never, ever happens. And oh. suddenly, like the last yeah. four years, we've had rain in July. And it's Ooh. humid, which is weird yeah. for us. And we're it's Los Angeles, which is even weirder. So. That's also yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I am standing up for Los Angeles. All right. So. There you go. All right. So let's talk about your book, uh, in the, the newest book in the Teeming series, mm-hmm. Teeming with Fungi, right. the organic. Organic Gardener's Guide to Mycorrhizae. Tell right. us about that. Well, every plant, well, not every plant, but about 95% of all plants form a symbiotic relationship with a fungus, and the fungus goes out and gets food in return for these exudates that the plant supplies. And if you don't have them, your plants don't do well. 
if at all. So uh, they're incredibly important. For years and years and years, everybody thought they were either ubiquitous or that they didn't count. And over the course of the past 15 years in particular, uh, that's been proven not to be so. They count. They're wonderful. Uh, they are absolutely necessary. And we now have the capability of, of being able to grow some of them in the lab so we can commercialize it. So, oh, so people can inoculate their soils with right. these mycorrhizae. That's right. So, for example, cannabis growers, if they don't use the right mycorrhizal fungi, they're crazy because they're not getting the right kind of cannabis uh, results. It makes a big difference on anything you grow. And can you give us maybe a sampling of some of the topics you cover in the book? Well, first of all, uh, I, I, I think we all study bacteria in school. We never study fungus. No. Uh, they're fascinating. They have all of the same uh, parts as a plant, uh, but, but they have chitin in their in their cell walls, and they don't have a chloroplast. But uh, chlorophyll is not their thing. But uh, they're absolutely fascinating. The way they the way they operate is fascinating. They're everywhere. They're taking over the world. And if we don't learn to understand them, then we don't understand soil structure. We don't understand soil diseases. We don't understand all sorts of things we need to know, not the least of which is that they feed our plants and we need to keep them healthy and operating. In Los Angeles, the air pollution is killing the mycorrhizal fungi and the plants, the trees are dying. So they're crucial. And so the book captures what they do, why you need to get them, and how you can get them and how you can use them. And does it also talk about how to steward your soil for the best habitat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Which is generally, you know, use organics and don't rototill. Right. I tell my students, give your rototiller to someone you hate. Right. Because that, yeah. that just destroys the soil network, absolutely. the fungal network in yep. the soil. Yep. Cool. And so we didn't really, we, t I, we jumped from your first sure. book, Teeming with Microbes, to your newest book, right. Teeming with Fungi. What's the middle book? Well, so the first two books, that, those two books are, are basically how plants get their food. Yeah. The, the Teeming with Nutrients is how plants take the food in and what they do with it once it gets inside the plant. Ah. How plants eat and how they digest their food. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of these things that nobody really learns. You know, we, we see these silly little formulas of... You know, things, little pictures of the roots and stuff. Nobody understands what's going on. And, you know, it's a mind-blowing uh, experience to discover that there are 37 trillion cells in a tree and that each cell has 42 million enzymes in them. And, oh, my, it is just the most exciting stuff you could possibly lay your hands on. And so it, 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 it really, uh, I think, completes the trilogy. Uh, and, and it fits with the other other books. So. Right, and you you are self-proclaimed Lord of the Soil. Is I'm that Lord of the Roots? Lord of the Roots. Right. Sorry, not Lord of the Soil. The Lord of the Roots. Trilogy, the trilogy, yeah. Lord right. of the Roots. Right. Um, I so I read Teeming with Microbes as I was taking the five-day intensive workshop from Dr. Elaine Ingham. Oh wow! So it it, it really yeah. of course sure. it went really well together sure. because your book puts into layman terms right. the science stuff right. that she's talking about that just scrambles right. your brain. Well, you know, it all yeah. slides out. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, always, I, always, I always say she, I ought to go speak an hour before she speaks because uh -huh. I'm simple, stupid, and she's so smart. But yeah. it's 
it, it really helps people digest the information a lot better. So I always recommend that people read it in tandem with taking in her information. Yeah, oh, I agree. Uh, so thank you. It's a service to the world. Well, don't thank me. Thank you, Wayne, because she's really the inspiration. <laughs> it's true. And I, I, I'm a big fan of hers. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and now she's farming up in Corvallis and yep. kind of using it as a test farm yep. for all of her theory. Yep. So I have to check in with her at some point and see how it's working out. I'm sure it's working out fabulous. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about Plant a Row for the Hungry. Yeah, yeah. So one day I was uh, writing my column. Uh, no, well, actually, what happened was I was in Washington, D.C. It was the coldest week of the year ever in Washington, D.C. up until that point in time. The gas company, you know, it was terrible. They, they told all tourists, you got to get out of Washington. Uh, they closed everything down except for the restaurants, for the tourists, you know, the business people who couldn't yeah. leave. I was there for a week, stuck. Staying at the fanciest hotel in Washington, D.C., on an expense account. <laughs> Bottle of wine every night in my room, left by the management, with not a chocolate on the, on the, you know, but a whole basket of food. Every night, a brand-new basket. So I'm walking to a restaurant to go eat. It's freezing. I have my hands in my pockets wrapped around some bills, and a guy comes up to me, and he goes, uh, I'm coming back from the restaurant, and he goes, yeah, can I have some money? I need to get some food. Well, there's signs everywhere in Washington that say, do not give money to the panhandle. Yeah. And so I said, no. I mean, I just come back from a fabulous expense account meal. I'm telling you, it was just the... Uh, and the guy said, come with me, watch me eat. I still said no. Oh. So I go home, I go to the hotel, I go, you know, there's my wine, there's my basket of food. I... I, I feel pretty bad. I, I go to sleep, and, I mean, it was Scrooge time, you know. It was my yeah. father and my mother. Oh, my God. It was just the most incredible experience. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning. I went and tried to find the guy. I looked all over the place. I couldn't. Got on my airplane to go home. I'm flying first class, getting steak and zucchini, and I have to write a column because I've been writing a column every single week, and I've never missed a week in 43 years. So, uh, you know, what am I going to write about? Yeah looking at the zucchini and I remember the joke about zucchini and I don't leave your car unlocked, unlocked you in know. church on Sunday and, and so uh, I write a column and I say geez you know we all have this extra food you know help me get my conscience back take some of this food bring it to a uh, you know a food soup kitchen, kitchen or something yeah. and in Anchorage we have a thing called Beans Cafe and so I convinced everybody to plant a row for beans ah. a food cafe Bean E-A-N apostrophe S right the name of a kid but anyway um, uh, the garden writers came up the following year and, and and I told them about the program and someone said uh, it was sort of like uh, you know like a uh, a halo appeared. <laughs> uh, and we adopted the program as a national program, and we, we bring in millions of pounds of food. I mean, it's... And people are reporting it. And people report it. Uh, you can call the garden writers and, and give them that number. But we don't even care if they do that. You just take the food to somebody that needs it. Church, synagogue, uh, neighbor, mosque, who cares? You know, if they need the food, give it to them. Don't let it go to waste. The moose don't need it. The deer don't need it. But there are 35 million people in America who go to bed hungry, and they do need it. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's about. That's a fantastic oh. program. Thank you and for I still see that. his I still see his face. I still feel bad. but. Well, maybe he's getting produce from a planted garden. I, I hope he's doing better you know? than that. Yeah, I hope he is. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, okay. Thank yeah. you so much. That's fantastic. Sure. All right. It is tip time. Do sure. you have a favorite tip you'd like well, to share? Well, you know, with I have two about? tips I tell gardeners, and I, I really like to give them both. The first is use Google. Use Google. <laughs> I'm a garden columnist. I get letters every and emails every single day. Yeah. How do you think I find the answers to things? Right. I know. I Google. Get, so, right. It's so the gardener's best people tool. People write into garden, ask garden right. nerd. I'm like, this could have been solved right. in like one right. s- one search. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right, so the second tip is, when you're putting traps out, beer traps and yeast traps to get the slugs, don't put them in the garden. That attracts the slugs to the garden. <laughs> you put them outside the garden so that the slugs leave the garden. That's my tip of the That's week. That's a great tip. <laughs> sure. Because, I, you know, it makes sense to of put course. them where you see them. A slug will travel a mile a night to get to that beer. Okay. Well, that's good. We yeah. know now their track record. Yeah. And, and so where do you... Where where do you set yours? Just 10 feet outside the garden. 10 feet outside the garden. Okay. And do you use beer? I use yeast and water. Yeast and water? Yeah. They, you... That's all they're going for is the yeast. The yeast, the yeast in the beer. Right. But they're not dying as happy as they would well, if they were in beer. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. See, simple as that. Yeah. yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with that the garden? That should do it. That should do it. But I should mention that slugs are part of the soil food web. They for are. every one you see above ground, there's five or six below ground, not damaging things, but making your soil better. So they're you know, aerating. They're aerating and they're gluing and they're munching and breaking up and opening up for fungi and bacteria and doing some good stuff. So they're not all bad. You bring up a good point because it's it's we are so detached from nature. So many so many of us are. Right. And and we feel like that these bugs don't have a purpose, but in the soil food web, they all do. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those expert tips because they are awesome. Thank you, Jeff, also for being on the Garden Nerd Podcast. My pleasure. How do people find you? Uh, They go to, uh, let's see, I think I have a website so they can Google (laughs) me or they can reach me at jeff at gardener.com. All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find links to Jeff Lowenfeld's website and info about his books. We'll also post a link to Plant a Row for the Hungry. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of gardening information on gardennerd.com. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook at gardennerd.com, and, of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!